0: What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi, everyone. Dr. Adriana Popescu with you once again for another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited today to have with us as our guest, Stephanie Marone. She is the author of 10 books, including What the Animals Taught Me, Stories of Love and Healing from a Farm Animal Sanctuary, Seven Books on Natural Medicine, and the anthologies Audacious Aging and Goddess Shift, Women Leading for a Change. Her writing has also appeared in magazines, newspapers, and poetry, prayer, and travel writing anthologies. Stephanie runs the Animal Messenger Sanctuary, A Safe Haven for Farm Animals, and an animal communication and energy medicine practice. Since 1993, she's operated Angel Editing Services, specializing in books on mind, body, spirit topics. Well, there's so much we could even talk about just from all that. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Welcome, Stephanie.
1: Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, just you know, letting our audience know, we, we do have a bit of a challenging internet connection. So bear with us if it seems like there's a bit of a delay or anything. Um, but Stephanie, I always like to start our off with asking my guests a question, which is how did you come to do the work that you're doing? Tell us more about yourself.
1: I'd be happy to. Um, there's a lot of different work to talk about. so. Uh, I, I can start with what I do most recently, which is the animal sanctuary and the energy healing and animal communication. Um, I came to that uh, really from the, the mental health books because that started a whole journey of healing for me. I, I've been on that journey my whole life, as most people are. But the the, the healing that I needed to do out of um, my own level of depression that I've struggled with my whole life which is one of the reasons why I wrote the books um, and why I was interested in writing those books Um, and that that led me to do the healing that I needed to do that then opened up this whole world of of animal communication I've always been very connected to animals but after I did my own healing it just really opened up and then uh, I've always been interested in mental illness I I find it I, I think because I'm interested in in altered states. So of course, mental illness can be a very painful and horrible altered state, but it is an altered state. And so I, from an early age, in my 20s, I got a degree in dance therapy and I went to visit a mental institute of the the old fashioned kind that was horrifying, uh, the conditions there. And, and then I, I interned at a place where they were um, working with autistic children and then the lockdown ward of a mental health, um, a mental hospital, um, where there were very serious schizophrenic cases. So I had a lot of experience in my twenties. And then I just kept going with the work. Um, I became more and more interested in energy medicine as time went on. My books cover everything. They cover biochemical, all the natural ways of approaching mental health issues. and. but as I worked with the animals on my sanctuary and in my own work and just what I witnessed in the world, the energy medicine really became for me where it's at because it's so powerful and it can produce such changes.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I want to hear definitely more about the books, but now I'm, I want to hear a little bit also more about the, the energy healing that you know, both you personally have experienced as well as with the animals. Can you just say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Yes, so I, I use all different, I started working for a natural medicine publisher in the 1990s and I learned a, a tremendous amount working there. And we wrote about, we had a magazine, it's called the Alternative Medicine Digest. And we wrote about all the different kinds of natural approaches and energy medicine um, wasn't a huge part of that, but of course homeopathy is an energy medicine and that was a huge part of that. So the, the other ones that I'm referring to are things like emotional freedom techniques, um, also known as EFT or just commonly tapping. That's a great, much more common one now. Um, back in the nineties that the field was opening up so that amazingly, Conventional medicine didn't even mention vitamin E or probiotics, now it's everywhere and turmeric and other things. But back then there was no mention of that in conventional medicine. And I've, I've really been so gratified to see how it's taken root. And now so many people are, are going with the so-called alternative approaches. But the, for my animals, I, I, began, I always use natural medicine with them whenever possible. So that would be supplements, homeopathy. And then I began, the homeopathy worked fabulously. It works fabulously with animals. So that's what really started me looking more into the energy medicine techniques. They respond very quickly to energy medicine. So when I say energy medicine, I'm referring to EFT, the tapping, and also, um, well, there's something I use for myself. I don't use this with the animals. It's called advanced integrative therapy It's based on working with the chakra system. Um, Really powerful, powerful. For my own healing, that was truly amazing. I had been in talk therapy for years and that was really the turning point when I did that therapy, it was amazing. But for the animals, um, for the, the sessions that I do, I use EFT and also something called Healing Touch for Animals. Touch is a bit of a misnomer because mostly I do distance work. You don't need to be there to do energy work. You don't need to be there in person. And I've had just remarkable experiences with uh, using the energy work combination with that and the animal communication and EFT I I use sometimes too. Also pendulum work, it's all kind of mixed in together and uh, very powerful. Um, The results have been amazing. One of the things I I do is, and if anybody's listening who has adopted a beagle from the Beagle Rescue Program, rescuing beagles from the research labs, I offer a free session for anyone who has adopted a beagle so I, I've worked with beagles all over the country and it's just amazing how they respond to this work. It's it's really it's so heartening.
0: It really is. I had an experience. I was lucky enough to take a workshop um, with horses. We were working with human bodies and horse bodies doing um gosh, it was like, it's like myofascial energetic release work. It's kind of the best way I can say it. And it was so amazing. These horses were just so into it. And they were like, you know, like we'd have our hands on them and sometimes we'd apply pressure and they'd be like pushing back, you know, like, like, yeah, get in there deeper. I want you doing this. It's, it's just so amazing. And then their eyes just sort of like kind of glossed, like blissed out. And I don't know, it's just, it's just amazing the gift that animals—not only that animals are to us in our own healing, but like what gift we can be to them and their healing. It's such a gifting of of energy, both directions.
1: It is, and I, um, my uh, my umbrella organization for that allows me to take tax deductible donations for my sanctuary. I'm not a five hundred one c three myself because I'm a pretty small operation, but I have a, a an umbrella organization that is a 501c3 and that's called the Flag Foundation. And that's a horse sanctuary. And the whole approach there, the, the director of that and I are really on the same page because we're all about modeling the kind of relationship that's possible when it's based on love, respect, and partnership. So it's really that's where you see who these animals really are when you when you approach that the relationship that way you get to see who they really are and it's wonderful and on my sanctuary i have all the it's a farm animal sanctuary as you said earlier because and that's the reason for that is because that's those are the forgotten animals in many cases where they're treated as commodities people don't consider that they even have pain i've had a sheep shear tell me it doesn't hurt when you pull the wool Well, that's just ridiculous. And anybody who is paying any attention to the sheep knows that of course it hurts when you pull the wool. It's like our hair. So that's just a very basic piece of information that is, it's incredible to me that anybody would think that, but they do. Like there are still people that think that animals don't have emotions. Well, anybody that has lived with animals knows that of course they do. Well, they're animals like us. So it's been remarkable to watch the blossoming of personalities out there in the field. And especially among those who have been abused, they they are allowed to come back to themselves. It's wonderful to see.
0: Well, and I wonder if that's a nice bridge to take us to the mental health side of things too, right? Like what happens with people when we approach healing from the same perspective that you're talking about with the animals?
1: It's really the whole message of, of my sanctuary is respect for all beings, and that would that's, that include absolutely everybody and, and everything, really, the natural world, rivers, mountains, trees, all rocks, all of it. So with people, um, the, there's a, there's a, a chapter in, in several of my books, I put it in several of my books, it's the shamanic view of mental illness that somebody posted it online and it went viral. Um, it was just amazing the response. I still get letters. The, the books were, I still get letters about that. The books were um, published in the 2000s and then the autism book and, the, and it's the Natural Medicine Guide to Autism and the Natural Medicine Guide to Bipolar Disorder. Those were both re-released, updated in 2011 and 2012. Um, but I still get letters about that shamanic view of mental illness. It resonates so strongly with people, and I, and the way that that works is there is a view in the shamanic world that mental illness is a healer trying to be born. So that's a view that, of course, Western medicine is is not even I not even close to viewing it that way. I would say, although. Maybe it's moving in that direction. I hope. I can only hope it is. Um, I get people. I get people who are suffering from schizophrenia or a loved one of someone suffering from schizophrenia, that write to me in desperation and say, "Do you know a shaman that can do this with me or with my loved one?" And there aren't any. I mean, there's Maladoma Somae is the name of the man whose work I, I cite. He is so busy and that's not his forte. I mean, I shouldn't say forte, that's not what he's doing in the world mostly. You know, he's not trying to heal mental illness. That was just his view. And he was telling me what went on in his village in West Africa and and how they dealt with mental illness. But it would be wonderful if there would be shamans who were dedicated to healing the mental illness in the West, but that's a very big job and a very hard job. And one of the things I see in both animals and humans is that we are a nation, I'll just speak for this nation, we are a nation of traumatized people because so many of the way so many children were traumatized and they're now adults and they're trying to figure out how to live life. And I really look at if if we could change the child rearing practices in this country and change the way we, we treat animals we would be a much more peaceful nation and we wouldn't have all so many of the mental health problems that we have we would it wouldn't be on such an epidemic level for example anxiety and depression are are epidemics in this country as is addiction all three of those
0: absolutely i'm in, so in full agreement with you and um, as some of the members of the audience might know I actually had the great privilege of um, interviewing Phil Borges who wrote or who wrote who directed um, a documentary called Crazy Wise, which is looking at this, you know, approach this. Um, he worked, you know, with shamans he was a photographer and he was so curious about um, the work that the shamans were doing and then you know the the role and anyways it's a documentary i'm not going to get too into it but it's a documentary i highly recommend and i love that article um that that you wrote with you know um uh, i don't know if he's a doctor or mr Somme, but like he's just so amazing in that article about what a shaman sees in a mental hospital is something i've shared many times and we have put it in the show notes i think on some other episodes of the podcast because we have looked at shamanism before. So um, yeah, I just, I love trying to get this information out there because just like with the energy medicine you were talking about, like working with the chakras, working with the meridians, these are all traditional healing methods that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Western medicine is like a toddler. It's so young and it's so Mm, like a toddler, kind of egocentric and thinking it knows everything, and no, 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 no to everyone else. Um, you know, what's your take on that?
1: Well, I've seen it change because, as I said, the the idea that there's now ads on television all the time about probiotics and vitamin E and turmeric, uh, uh, just to name those three. Um, it, it goes beyond that because insurance companies, uh, uh, some of them, you know, medical insurance will now cover acupuncture. That's amazing um, when you consider the way it was in the '90s, even the 1990s. So there, there's definite progress, and also um, there's discussion going on to bring EFT, um, which would really be, in many cases, is viewed as woo-woo by the medical profession. The field of psychology would. It, it, you know, there's a battle going on. Uh, well, I don't want to use the word battle. That's not the right word. Uh, a heavy discussion <laughs> is going on about, uh, is, the, is this legitimate, you know, does this really help? Well, people who have used it know that it helps. And it doesn't mean that you can cure your schizophrenia with tapping. It, it's, it's just that it can help with so many symptoms of everything, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. So if it can help, at all, why not use it? So there is discussion going on though about having that brought into the VA hospitals. And that's where I would really like to see because it does have good success with PTSD. One of the one of the things, I have a friend who works for a center for torture survivors. Talk therapy is not a good plan for people in PTSD. It, it, it lights it up again, so it just, Reliving it is not what you want to do because that's what, that's what happens with PS, PTSD. You're reliving it all the time. So something like tapping, you don't need to relive it to release the, the stress reaction that goes with it. And that's what tapping does. It releases that stress reaction so that it, it unhooks it from the memories so that you're able to get rid of some of the, the flashbacks, um, the other symptoms. And it, it it's definitely something worth looking into if you have PTSD.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I work with I'm the clinical director at a drug and alcohol rehab center where a major, vast majority of the clients have had horrific traumas, and we use tapping and brain spotting and some other things. Basically, we know we need to help them rewire their brain, rewire their nervous system to not be in that constant state of fight, flight, freeze. Um, that keeps them stuck in those trauma loops. And, you know, the medications can play a role, but they're not actually getting to the root of, you know, releasing that trauma. They're more sort of palliative just to kind of help a person, you know, somewhat stabilized to be able to function, but you're not actually, to me, the medication is not doing the healing. The healing is something that needs to happen on a deeper energetic
1: level. Yeah, when I was writing the the um, mental health books, uh, one of the things about the medication is that it's 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 management, uh, as as you say, not healing. It's management, and that's that can be very important. And there are a lot of people that would have died if not for those medications, because they would have committed suicide or, or OD'd uh, accidentally or, um, or or on purpose, um, died in other ways. And it's important to to, re- to say to your audience that it's not a good idea to go off your meds without the supervision of a medical professional. Bad idea because it can have serious consequences for you. That said, it's really, I think behooves everyone to investigate the options. So, and it doesn't mean that one or the other because they, they can work together. And it's just a, a, a good lesson in take responsibility for your own healing and come up with a combination that works for you because it's it's not it's it's not a cookie cutter approach there's not one thing that works for everyone
0: no absolutely not it's not one size fits all everybody is unique and everybody's experiences are unique it's not something as clear cut as like diabetes where we know it's you know we have to do a b c and d you know it this is much more complex so I want to hear more about your books. You've written a whole series of books, as you've mentioned, on natural medicine for a variety of mental health conditions, including anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, autism, addiction, and more. Can you tell us more about your books and what are some of the key things you discovered in writing
1: them? Uh, The main main thing I would say on those books is that what I was just talking about of being open to other approaches, because um, is I mean they were written in the 2000s, and so even then there was such a closed-minded view toward these approaches. And some of them, um, like like a biochemical approach, there was the grandfather of orthomolecular medicine, as it's called, which is massive doses of vitamins. And he had very good success with schizophrenics in Canada. That's where he was. He was practicing. And why is this material not available in conventional medicine? That's something they could embrace because it's a pill like any other pill. So, you know, that, that approach, you don't have to stretch your mind too much to say, okay, we'll take these pills and see if they work with a massive dose of vitamins. And they, it had good success uh, for some people. And I, I don't know if it was a lot of people, but it was definitely some people. And the, the problem there is that you, it's very difficult to do a, a double-blind randomized controlled study which is the gold standard of Western medicine research so and you it's very difficult to do that on a multi-factor approach if you have one item you can do that that kind of, of research but the problem with natural medicine is that it's usually a, a whole panoply so it's it's a combination you you don't one thing alone, if there's not a silver bullet, and that's true in Western medicine as well. They're looking for the silver, silver bullet all the time, but there isn't one because these are complex conditions. The other thing that was shocking when I was working on these books is to discover that there has never been found a definite genetic component to mental illness. Yes, they found that it runs in families, but they have never pinpointed the genetic component for any of these so-called diseases. That's amazing to me because they talk about, they, they, talk, they use that, lang- Western medicine uses that language all the time, that it's genetic. And it's not, I mean, it's not been proven anyway. It may be, but it's not been proven. One of the things, one of the work that I cover, the person's work that I cover is Dr. Dietrich Klinghart, who, who, came up with this five levels of healing. It's, it's fascinating, I won't go into the five levels, but uh, one of the things that he does is family constellation work, um, which is looking at the energetic legacy from past generations that is ca- that is, can be causing the, the physical and mental problems and spiritual and emotional problems in present day. So for example, you have a child with asthma, it could be an energetic legacy of something completely different from a past from an ancestor or you have someone with a mental illness and that could be be traced back to something that happened in a previous generation and that energetic legacy doesn't go away unless it's healed and that's one of the things Maladoma Somme talks about too is ancestor ancestor healing and that working with the ancestors to heal the wounds and I, I I've done some of that myself I really believe in it I, I think it's very important um, and one of the things that Maladoma says is that we can't be a healthy society as long as we're cut off from our ancestors. And that's another area of healing that needs to happen in this country because um, there are many of us who are running from our ancestors that we don't want to face that the trauma that occurred back then or the guilt that can be traced back to that.
0: Well, it's so evident, especially in what's going on in the world right now, I would say, especially here in, the, in this country with the, the hatred and the hate crimes and everything that's happening. It's like that, that stuff, even if you want to look at it from like a collective unconscious perspective, all that trauma is clearly still with us, whether it's in our genes, in our energy, Whatever, but obviously it's still there and it is oozing out and all over the place and getting played out, you know, in this very kind of public way.
1: Perfect example. And I I think the whole Black Lives Matter movement is showing us the, I mean, it's clear the unhealed wounds of slavery um, that that's been passed down on both sides, the white and the black. the, the different actions that are back there in the past have not been dealt with and we have to deal with it.
0: Exactly. Um, so for people, you know, the most common diagnoses that, that you've written about um, typically are depression and anxiety. Um, so do you have anything that you'd like to share with the audience around um, what you have found in your research or personal experience can be helpful for those
1: kinds of conditions? Uh, it's complicated, um, and yes, there's some yes, there's some simple things. So, well, not so simple because I really believe that it has to be it has to be addressed on all levels. You can approach it purely from the biochemical level, which is that you can have your your blood, saliva, and your hair tested. To see if you have heavy metals that's an issue for a lot of people if you have mercury in your teeth that may be a factor um that's that can actually produce depression and anxiety so it, it it's really unpeeling the layers of what's going on and that that's a uh, that can be a long process but there are things that can help in the in the short term um dr william walsh is someone that he's he's perhaps the heir apparent of Abram Hoffer because his mentor was Carl Pfeiffer who was the heir apparent of Abram Hoffer, the father of ortho molecular medicine. So that's the massive doses of vitamins. One of the things that William Walsh does is he does major testing. So he is not just giving you something thinking that it will help. He he does all this testing the hair, saliva, blood um, to see what what are the biochemical imbalances, and then he addresses it with. Um, a, from a compounding pharmacy. So he puts together the exact amounts of what the different um, vitamins and minerals and supplements that you need are. And, and it's compounded to make it easy to take. So you don't have 20 pills. So he's really done a lot for the whole mental health profession. And he has a huge data bank of, of the results of those tests. And there's, he's discovered certain things that ex- exist in different illnesses. And you can look up his work, Dr. William Walsh. It's fascinating. Um, so Margot Kidder um, people may know Lois Lane she was Lois Lane to Christopher Reeves Superman um, famous bipolar disorder because she had a meltdown in public um, where she just completely fell apart and they found her wandering in someone's backyard um, anyway she, sadly she's no longer with us but she she was someone that I, I talked to about for the books and she went to Whole Foods back in the early days of Whole Foods. And she, cause she did all this research herself to see what would help her bipolar. And she was talking about supplements. So she went to Whole Foods and she was picking out the different supplements. And actually the person that worked there said, oh, you have bipolar disorder, don't you? That was a very knowledgeable person who recognized the supplements she was picking out and knew that that, that was the issue. That's not usually the case. You don't necessarily find someone that is that knowledgeable. But the fact is, is that the, that there are a cluster of supplements that can help. I'm not gonna go into the details of that because I don't think people should be self-prescribing. I think it really would be good to get tested to see what it exactly is you, the individual needs, because as we talked about, everybody is different. So that's one area that is, I think it's important to, to approach it on all the levels of healing as Dr. Dietrich Klinghart says. So that would be, uh, that would be physical, electromagnetic, emotional mental spiritual and there's one i'm missing oh the energetic um so all those levels it it's really if you approach your whatever your condition is mental physical whatever it is if you approach them on all those levels you're going to cover it
0: and that's what i found to be true myself i mean it's funny you mentioned clean because he was somebody that i definitely was is studying um, because he was an early expert in Lyme disease. And it turned out I had Lyme disease as well. And I remember reading an article he had written about how important it was to do the healing, the psychological, emotional, energetic healing, especially from trauma, which hadn't been a piece that I was necessarily looking at. And that was kind of converging at the time that I was discovering energy. Psychology went to my first ASAP conference and you know, here, fast forward 20 years later, here we are, I healed myself with these methods, I was able to heal myself from this really chronic debilitating, I mean, so much comes with so much other stuff, the heavy metal toxicity, and all that stuff comes with the Lyme disease, and I was horribly depressed and spiritually going through a dark night of the soul. So that's partly why, you know, I'm doing this podcast and speaking with people like you, because I want other people to know that, hey, you know, when you're dealing with something like this, you've got to approach it from all these other perspectives. It isn't just go to your MD and get a pill. And that's probably not going to resolve the issue. It is complex and you have to approach it from this more holistic mind, body, spirit perspective. So just my follow-up question to everything you said, Stephanie is what kind of practitioner would you recommend to the audience if they wanted to get some of this testing or find somebody who has a more comprehensive, sort of integrative or holistic approach to healing, what kind of practitioners should they look for?
1: Well, uh, Dr. William Walsh trains, has trained a lot of doctors in his approach. His approach is the best I've found for dealing with the physical. So this would be the imbalances that you've got going in the body. Naturopaths, I think are also wonderful because they're looking at all the different levels. But I think at the same time, it it would be really great for people to consider the the trauma aspects um, because of of their life. Because one of the things that Dr. Klinghart, and that's cool, so cool that you dealt with him too. I just love him. I think he's brilliant. Um, One of the things he talks about is that on the five levels of healing, so you can picture them like this, Um, If you, if you start from the bottom and try to heal yourself from the physical level up, it goes really slowly. But if you start at the top and work on dealing with the trauma and other things that have thrown you off, the trickle down is really fast. So, and you you may have discovered that Adriana, that it 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 can happen really quickly. If you deal with the stuff that's holding it in place, and that would be the trauma, whatever, that might be in your life or unresolved conflicts, unresolved issues. Those are all things that can hold an illness in place. So it's a good idea to clear that out. Um, I, I okay. can give you information on uh, Adriana. I'll email you the information for Dr. William Walsh so that you can give that if anybody wants it from you. Um, and yeah. because he, he's in Chicago and he but he has trained doctors all over. So there might be a doctor near where someone is that they can go to for that.
0: Fabulous, yeah. And we'll definitely, we can add it to the show notes. And also, you know, nowadays the gift of, I think one of the gifts of COVID has been telemedicine and telehealth. That there's actually a lot that we can do in this kind of, you know, video conferencing and stuff, you know, it it doesn't, it doesn't have to be so much anymore that if you're not near a, a more holistic practitioner, you live in a more remote area or somewhere where there aren't that many practitioners, if any, that you have now have access to these folks and the practitioners have gone on board with technology. And working with people in this kind of way so more possibilities are available now even if there isn't somebody physically in the same location as you
1: that's a really good point very true
0: yeah so um so i want to shift gears a little bit um and talk a little bit about your Editing for medical journals. You're, you're editing the energy psychology journal. I actually, that's how we initially met was in my writing an article for that journal. And, and I'm just curious about where do you see the, the research field, you know, so now for the kind of those of us that are professionals, what, have you, what are you learning about these alternative therapies for treating mental health conditions or medical conditions like is the is the research out there showing us something? What can you say about that?
1: Yeah, um, there's more than a hundred studies um, out there right now on mostly EFT, but it's it's other things as well, other energy psychology methods. Um, so uh, for people who who don't know, the energy psychology methods include thought field therapy. Uh, EFT emotional freedom techniques and and a a lot of variations but those are the two that get well particularly EFT gets the most attention so right now anyway so uh, there are over 100 articles on that I I think what's going on right now is there's a big attempt in the the field of energy psychology to get these methods recognized so they've seen the anecdotal evidence for how well they work and so the task now is get a huge body of research that is enough to persuade conventional medicine to consider these techniques so there's Dawson Church is very instrumental in this Dawson Church PhD he, he is really dedicated to getting the information about research out there so that's he is the he's the um, editor in chief of, of of the energy psychology journal and uh, lots of other organizations that he he runs that are dedicated to this whole process of getting energy psychology out into the world. He is he is behind EFT Universe, which is a, a, a big name in in energy psychology. Um, so what is happening is this this focus on getting the research out there. I do believe that it's going to have an effect eventually, but there is this this phenomenon in the field of medicine that it takes 17 years for something once it's showing once once it's showing up well in research it takes 17 years for it to be adopted mm-hmm. that that's that's been the that's been the model for a long time it's not written anywhere but that's how about how long it takes it's called a translational gap 17 years from proof to acceptance so that's what we saw with acupuncture for example which has been around for thousands of years but when it was introduced to the west it it was probably at least 17 years before it started being accepted so we just see this translational gap over and over again chiropractic it was the same thing
0: why do you think that is
1: i think there's a lot of theories on that um i think it's because of the way medical school is run So medical school is very tunnel vision uh, and we have to give Western medicine the credit for being able to handle emergencies, excellent in emergencies. If you break your leg, you want Western medicine uh, and at the same time you wanna do tapping because that'll help with the pain. (laughs) But it's really, you know, Western medicine really has the emergency situation down. They don't have the chronic illness situation down and there's a, there's a lot of feeling in, in Western medicine that I think this is, is less among doctors now, but it used to be, they don't wanna say, I don't know. So there's, that's a big problem and I think it's, it is changing and there are a lot more women in the medical profession. I think that's helping, um, but it is a very narrow training and it's opening up only slightly. Yeah. I mean, even to get a nutrition course, in the medical training was rough going. And that's ridiculous because the basis of health is nutrition. If you're not getting proper nutrition, you're not going to get well, or, or it's gonna be a longer haul anyway, depending on your age. If you're 20, maybe you can get by with that, but if you're 60, maybe not. So anyway, it's just, I think it's, it's, it's in transition. It's in transition and it's, it's gonna be still a long haul, I think.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and, and the other piece that I've observed, maybe you can speak to this too, is that some of the data on energy psychology is so good that some people are, are almost um, dumbfounded by it. Like it's too good to be true. There's this like, there's no way it could be that these effect sizes could be so big and whatever they're saying, but th- there seems to be some of that also.
1: Definitely, that's one of the things they're using to debunk it. It can't possibly be that good. Um, so there are there are so-called one minute wonders where, uh, and we're not talking about complicated physical or mental conditions. We're talking about simple things like uh, maybe a terrible pain in the stomach and there'll be a one minute wonder that it's completely gone. We don't know what the cause was um, and that's not really important at the moment. If it comes back, that might be important, but. We can just let go and say, "Okay, that worked great." Um, and I think that there's there's not a, a, a huge understanding about the mechanism of tapping, for example. So I can say that it break. You know, this this is where we always start with tapping. That's why I keep doing that. Um, but but we can say that it breaks the stress response. Yeah, <laughs> tapping, tapping, right? Um, we can say it breaks the stress response and. Um, it, it, there, there is a lot of um, using of EEGs to measure that now. So they're they're looking at what's going on in the brain with, when you, someone is doing EFT or a certain kind of meditation to see what's happening in the brain, so that you can really trace that. Um, but I, I think it's important um, to look at the the model of psychology has been you have to be in therapy for years, and this. This goes against that i mean if you can just solve your trauma very quickly like say 10 sessions you can solve your ptsd it's very difficult for the traditional psychology field to accept that i mean when we're talking about psychiatry that's what you know sometimes three sessions a week or even five sessions a week for years so if this can handle these things there's there's a financial reason not to believe it, but there's also a worldview reason not to believe it. After you've been a psychiatrist or psychologist treating people for many, many years, how are you gonna be able to accept this worldview that it can happen really quickly? That's gonna be tough. But there are therapists who after 25 years of practice are very frustrated because it's not working for a certain core of patients. So these this is why some of them have, have adopted energy psychology methods. And they're very happy because they're finally able to help this core of patients that were not responding. And that would be the case of um, Asha, uh, Asha Clinton, who is the one that developed advanced integrative therapy. Um, she did that because 25 years of working on in the field, she was very frustrated. So that, that system is amazing. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough.
0: Yes, and we'll add a link to her. I, I hope to interview actually her someday on the podcast as well. I have a whole wish list of amazing energy practitioners that I would love to have sharing about these incredible methods. And that's really the whole premise of my podcast is to educate not only the public, but our, our fellow you know, practitioners that, hey, you know, there are these other approaches that are quick and effective. And I've had those conversations with some of my peers around, you know, the uh, not wanting to let go of their paradigm or that there's a financial interest and some fear that, oh, I'll lose all my clients. And I say, no, what if actually what it means is you can help people heal so quickly that you can serve more people and we can do more healing and more people. Now you start getting this compounded healing effect, you know, the ripple effect, the quantum effect of like, if we heal ourselves and more, and the more people start healing of their own trauma and their own whatever their stuff is that's making them unhappy, we're gonna have a more peaceful, like you said, a more peaceful, happy, cooperative, calm planet, you know, and 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 everybody, the animals included, the, the earth will benefit from that. Um, so why wouldn't we want to adopt these methods if we can create more healing in the world? That's my point of view.
1: <laughs> I also think you don't, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is that this can just be one of the tools in your toolkit. So it, it, uh, all, all of the energy psychology techniques work very well with other methods. So it, it really doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be what works the best at this moment. And I, I think any psychologist would tell you that a lot of the work is, is intuitive you know, what's needed right at this moment. Um, and so if you have all these these tools in your toolkit, you really have so much more to offer your client.
0: Absolutely. And it still always comes down to the relationship, right? The alliance, the trust that gets built between you and your client, that in and of itself is so much of the unspoken healing is happening, just being heard, being listened to, um, not being judged, right? That in and of itself is hugely transformative. So we're not saying that, you know, that goes away. Of course not. That's still a a fundamental piece to all of this is connecting and relating and talking with your client, even if you're adding other tools to the toolbox. So, um, so as we start to wind it down, Stephanie, what would you like to see as the future of mental health?
1: I would love it if every, so-called mental hospital, whatever you want to call them, whatever they call themselves, a mental hospital, a center, um, um, a mental health center, whatever they might be. I would love to see all of them offering all of these tools. So not just energy psychology, not just uh, talk therapy, not just drugs, um, and add to that a natural approach of supplements, because I think if you, have, if you have a lifetime of mental illness, it's, it's probably, you could probably count on that you're gonna need, you have some nutritional deficiencies. So I would like to see this multimodal approach that uh, drugs only when necessary, conventional drugs only when necessary and weaning them off as possible and all the other options that can help deal with every aspect of a person. So again, the five levels of healing, all the parts of oneself. So physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, energetic, all of it. So I would really like to see all of that being offered to the clients in whatever the mental health center is, whether it's an outpatient or an inpatient, and also nutritional. So if it is an inpatient, please give them healthy food. Not all these starches.
0: Yes, I agree. I'm with That's you. That's pretty
1: basic.
0: hundred percent, and yes, we've been trying to do some of that, as you know, um, with the addiction heal, you know, treatment center I work at, where we're bringing in more and more of these. Um, we're trying to get a naturopath actually to come in and start assessing our clients from the minute they get there with, you know, their detox. So you know, we're, some of us are, are out there doing this, then, and we will put some links in again in the show notes to help people kind of, you know, find maybe a direction to go. Certainly we can refer to ASAP as well, the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. That's where people can find a lot of the research. They can find practitioners in their area. So, so, you know, there's, there's way more out there, I think, than already than people realize. And so, um, we'll definitely try to steer, steer people to whatever resources we think, um, you know, Stephanie and I both can add to, to, to your information. If you check your show notes, we'll put those links in. Any final thoughts, anything else you'd like our audience to know or leave us with?
1: I, I think it's really important that um, we have the... The positive attitude rather than the naysaying attitude. So I would give thanks for all the people like you, Adriana, who are doing such wonderful work, and there are more and more all the time, and that I would rather focus on that, have us focus on that, rather than um, focus on attacking Western medicine or conventional medicine, um, rather than looking at all that they're not doing. Let's look at all that so many people are doing and that it's getting more and more all the time and i think it's you know it's very clear that optimists live longer and that if we have a positive attitude which doesn't mean denying the things that need to be addressed that are difficult that the shadow self the the shadow parts of the self the 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 physical things that are hard to deal with all of that needs to be addressed as well but it's very important to really develop an attitude of gratitude and hope. Yes.
0: Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. You've really offered us some fabulous information and resources. And um, thank you audience for tuning in. Um, If you like this podcast, please do share it, comment on it, subscribe so that We can get those algorithms to get this out there in the hands of more people so that they know that there are alternative approaches to mental health. Tune in next time for another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time!